Everybody glad you're here. Oh, happy Easter. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Those joining us online, man, I wish you were here, but I'm grateful that you're with us. I thank God for you. If you're here for the first time, man, it's an honor and a delight that God has brought you to celebrate Easter uh, on this wonderful, wonderful day. Um, I want to invite everybody back next week. We're kicking off a new teaching series called Relationship Goals. We want to leverage the wisdom of God's Word to strengthen whatever's weak in your relationships, to heal whatever's hurting, to bring wholeness to whatever might be broken. We wanna see you thrive in your love. In fact, uh, just watch this trailer. Oh, baby, that makes me wanna come back to church. Um, I thank God for each of you and that he brought you here uh, today. And I just wanna kick off um, together. I've been the pastor here for uh, over 40 years, and I just want us to launch uh, Easter this moment um, this way. I'll say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed. Are you ready? Here we go. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah, baby. Now, that's something we can all agree on. But just because I'm ornery, let me ask something a little divisive. How many of you love to go camping? I'm talking tents, sleeping bags, campfires. Okay, a bunch of you. Um, okay, now I, I want you to raise your hand now if uh, your idea of camping is a holiday inn without an indoor pool. Okay, you guys keep doing that. We want all the campsites for us. Um, we, my Deb and I, when we were younger, we, we would choose a, a campsite over a hotel room Anytime. With Deb, it was all about being outdoors. I remember one time we were in Aspen and it was stinking, stinking cold. I mean, below freezing. And she went to camp out. And so I said, Jeff, I mean, the water froze that night outside our tent. But it was a cool moment, cool memory. Of course, I got frostbite. Um, my Deb, it was all about being outside for me. Camping, it's all about being cheap. Um, <laughs> But my favorite spot, now, when we were younger, we hiked, backpacked the Appalachian uh, Trail. Um, but once we moved to Beloit, 40 years ago, we started going out to Colorado and climbing 14,000-foot uh, mountains. But our favorite uh, camp spot was at the Royal Gorge. Anybody ever been to the Royal Gorge? Yeah, cool, cool place. I mean, awe-inspiring. This chasm is 10 miles long. It's 1,200 feet deep, over 1,200 feet across. And man, uh, just an incredible sight camping there. Our tent blew away, uh, the high winds. Um, so it's really fun camping. Um, we, we rode mules to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. That was a memorable sight, more for me, I think, than for my Debbie. Uh, but it was fun. But the, the best part uh, for me was walking out on the bridge that spanned the canyon. It is the highest suspension bridge in the United States. It was built nearly 100 years ago at a tremendous cost. But the engineering feat, I mean, it is a marvel of engineering. Now, why? Why would someone go to all that design? Why would someone go to all that labor? Why would someone go to all that incredible expense? The simple answer is to connect one rim of the canyon to the other, to bridge the chasm 
in between. And as we walked across that bridge, we got to the center. We just looked at 1,250 feet down to the river below. And as we walked to the, the length of the bridge, I thought to myself, man, this bridge is amazing. This bridge is awesome, but it ain't nothing compared to the wonder of the canyon itself. I mean, it stretched out beyond where our eyes could see either direction. Its grandeur, its beauty just caught our breaths. And you know what? The Royal Gorge is only one little speck, inky dinky spot in Colorado. I mean, compared to the rest of the mind-blowing, ever-expanding, measureless, awe-inspiring, God-created universe, it's just a spot on a map. Nothing at all. Our God is way out of our league when it comes to ingenuity and engineering and innovative creativity. Our God is everything. And wherever Deb and I have gone, around the world and seeing some breathtaking sights. It just makes me want to shout out with the ancient prophet Jeremiah. Here are his words. He cried out, Lord God, you stretched out your mighty arm and made the sky and the earth. You can do anything. That's good news for me. That's really the good news of Easter. God can do anything. He can raise the dead. It's important for your life. It's a fundamental belief that will put your life on a whole new trajectory. I mean, we all get struggles in our finances, but God can do anything. We all have difficulty in our marriages, but God can do anything. So I'm gonna ask you to say it with me. I'll say it, you just repeat after me. Are you ready? Here we go. God, you can do anything. We need that. Parenting is hard. We struggle with our emotional and mental well-being. Again, God, God, you can do anything. anything. One more time, God, God, you can do anything. Man, that's gotta be our declaration. That's gotta be our prayer and we need it. This fundamental belief that God can do anything because you and I, we have a huge, huge, unsolvable, painful impossibility in our lives. It's our sin. My sin, your sin, has created this enormous gulf, uncrossable chasm between us and God. We can't get close to the love of God because of our sin. We can't close in on the peace of God because of our sin. Our sin keeps us from the joy of God. Our sin, your sin, my sin, it creates this great gulf that we cannot span This is a chasm God did not create. We created the chasm that separates us from God. We created it by our sin. Our sin, our great sin, creates a great chasm between us and our great and holy God. And and you know what the Bible says? Everyone has sinned. I mean, everyone, everyone is me, everyone is you, everyone has sinned and is far away from God's saving presence. Far away, it's like God is is way up there, far off somewhere, and we're way down here, far off somewhere. I mean, up there, God is holy, 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 and down here, we are helpless, 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 helpless to control our emotions, helpless to control our thoughts, helpless to do the right thing, helpless to, keep from doing the wrong thing. 
I mean, over and over and over and over and over again. And, and maybe you want to push back on that and say, hey, um, pastor, I'm, I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm a pretty good person. Um, well, I would suggest that you have a hard time being honest with yourself. The honest people in the room, you know what they think when they hear me say this stuff? Honest people think there's more darkness in me than I want to admit. And sometimes that darkness comes out in ugly words. Sometimes that, that darkness evolves into ugly thoughts. Sometimes it erupts in anger. Sometimes my darkness erupts into greed. Sometimes because of my darkness, I get jealous. I get insecure. I get anxious because of my darkness. There's a darkness in me. It's our sin. And it separates us from God. Now, every religion, all through the ages, I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, humans have crafted religion after religion after religion. And the idea is to build a bridge from helpless, unholy us to God can do anything holy God. From our lonely us to his, his love. We're gonna build a bridge to God. And you know what? Every, all world religions say the same thing. They say this. Hey, you got to work, man. You got to push. You got to do something to get to God. You got to perform. You got you to be more perfect. And every time you fail, you better deprive yourself. You better punish yourself. You better get back on track and do something to do something great to get to God. The Christian faith is on the complete opposite end of the spiritual spectrum from that. The Christian faith is not about me or you doing anything. The Christian faith is all about what God has done by giving us his son Jesus to die on the cross and be raised from the dead. The Christian faith is what's, what's already been done for you. You get to rest. You get to chill. You get to sit back and receive his grace and be on the receiving end of his forgiveness and be on the receiving end of his mercy. You know why? Because God cannot stand the thought of being separated from you by your sin. God could not stand the thought of this big chasm keeping you out of relationship with himself. And so you know what God did? Friends, here is the very premier text of all the Bible. It reads like this. This is how much God loves the world, loves you, loves me. God gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one me need be destroyed by believing. Say believing. Yeah, believing, 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 believing. The Greek word there in the original writing of the Bible is pistis, and it means really to surrender. You put your total trust in Jesus. Here's what happens by believing in Jesus. Anyone, anyone is me, anyone is you. Anyone can have a whole, and that word whole means superabundant. You can have, by believing in Jesus, you can have a superabundant life, superabundant love, superabundant peace, superabundant joy. Superabundant hope, superabundant strength, superabundant wisdom. I go on and on. And heaven to boot, an everlasting life. Heaven is where you get to get to do what you love most with those you love best. When I get to heaven, I'm not walking across a bridge over the royal gorge. I'm gonna run and jump. And we get to do it all in the presence of Jesus. What you love best with those you love most, all in the presence of Jesus. I know some of you will be at a hotel poolside in heaven. But that's the love of God. 
God bridged the canyon, bridged the chasm, bridged the gulf, the gorge, uncrossable. He bridged it with a blood-stained cross where his son bled and died. The blood-stained cross of Jesus is the bridge built by God, not us. Religion tries to build to God. Christian faith is God building toward us, and he did it with a blood-stained cross to span the chasm of our sin. And that chasm, that chasm, God might have crafted the Royal Gorge. God might have crafted the Grand Canyon. But we made this chasm. We made this gulf. We made this gorge by our sin. I mentioned how costly back in the day I think it was 1929 when the Royal Gorge, highest suspension bridge in the U.S. And at that day, the costs were remarkable, astronomical. But this bridge, this blood-stained bridge, the cross of Jesus, can you imagine how expensive it was? It was costly to Christ. You, you, you want to know what a big deal sin is to God? I want to give you some time to think about the suffering of Jesus. You want to know what a big deal you are to God? I want you to think about the suffering of Jesus. Because his torturers, they held no cruelty at bay. They inflicted on him without mercy their very worst. I don't know how they did this. In my imagination, they force Jesus to the ground. They pin him down. But what they do is they forcibly and physically pull out his beard by the roots. And then scripture says they club his head again and again, dizzying blow after dizzying blow. And then they begin to pound his face with their fists until his face beaten and bloodied is swollen beyond recognition. His own mom couldn't recognize him. And then they inflicted 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails. A cat of nine tails was a whip of torture. It had nine lengths of leather. And at the end of each length was a piece of glass, a piece of metal, sharp piece of stone, 39 lashes. These professional executioners, their intent was to keep the victim alive, but remove all his skin, not just that, pull away the muscles, not just that, but expose his spinal cord. And I'm believing that if these executioners were professionals, that they did expose, not just the skin, not just the muscles of Jesus, but his spinal cord. And then he is forced to carry his instrument of death, the cross, through the steep, narrow streets of Jerusalem. Some of us have been there a number of times. Just try to get a feel for it. Walk, what, do I, how, what kind of big deal am I to God? What kind of a big deal are you to God? Think about the suffering of Jesus. And you know that ultimately they took nine-inch nails Drove them. You thought that was just the name of your favorite band. <laughs> Drove them through his wrists and through his ankles. And you know, before Jesus died, can you imagine the horrific loss of blood? He says, I thirst. So you know what they did? They took a stick that they used regularly, stuck it in a sponge that they used regularly, stuck it in vinegar that they used regularly. They thought this was funny and they stuck it on his mouth. You see, when people in that day uh, used the bathroom, they had a stick that they used each time that they stuck in a sponge each time that they stuck in vinegar, vinegar each time, and that's how they cleaned themselves. So our Lord Jesus on the cross, 
the last thing on his lips as he was dying was human excrement. And, and, and everything was for you. You want an idea of what a big deal sin, your sin is to God? Think of the suffering of Jesus. If you want an idea of what a big deal you are to God, think of the suffering of Jesus because he did it for you. He was taking our place. He was our substitute. He got what we deserve for our sin. We did the sin and Jesus did the suffering, but it was all for us. Whatever chunk of beard got pulled out, it was for me. Whatever blow struck his head, it was for you. All the, the pounding that went to his face, it was for us. The lashes, each one of the 39, for us, for our sin. He was getting the penalty, the punishment we deserve for our sin. You see, our God is so holy. There's gonna be justice. There's gonna be a payment for our sin. The Bible says, and that payment of sin is death. But you see, our God is so loving that he paid the price himself with the gift of his one and only son, Jesus. God is so holy. Somebody's gotta die for sin. And God is so loving that his own son, Jesus, died in our place for our sin. It's really a picture of all the baptisms you saw. That we participate in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and, and it's a free gift. Those guys were all getting the free gift. The penalty for their sin is death, but look at the free gift they got. The gift that God freely gives is everlasting life. How? Found in real and right relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord. And, and, and maybe this wasn't even on your radar today when you came for Easter worship. But as you opened up your hearts and praise to God, and as you saw those baptisms, and as you've listened to my talk, as you've experienced the gospel, the good news, something's gone off in you, and you've got a longing. You're, you're, you're longing to walk across that blood-stained bridge of faith into a real and right relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's happening in you, like Eric said earlier, don't say no, say yes, respond to God's touch on your life. Because I got the best news ever for you. Check this out. The best news, the best news is the death of Jesus is not the end of Jesus. Do you know the, the last words he spoke with his last breath? Hey, you clap for baptisms better than you clap for me. Um, okay, here's the deal. Last words Jesus spoke with his last breath, it is finished. Did you catch what he did not say? Jesus did not say, I am finished. Because when he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, he knew, he knew he was trusting that he would be raised on the third day. On that first Easter Sunday morning, he was coming back from the dead. He was gonna conquer hell. He was gonna conquer the grave. He was gonna conquer sin and death. Friends, <laughs> Jesus died to erase everything bad in your life and he rose from the dead to impute all his goodness into your life. This is the best news, news in the world. Our Jesus did not stay dead. He is risen. He is victorious. He is exalted to the right hand of God where he is praying for you right now. Father, send the Holy Spirit to provoke them to walk across the bridge of faith into right and real relationship with me.
And you know something? When you walk across that bridge of faith, these guys that were baptized earlier, you know what they're gonna find? And what you'll find if you're baptized, you'll find yourself not doing the things you used to do. You know why? You're not that person anymore. You are new. The old is gone. The new has come. You are new in Christ. And he has put your life on a whole new trajectory. I mean, the worst thing you ever did when you walk across that bridge of faith into Jesus, it's not the last thing you'll ever do because you'll just keep on loving and being loved. You'll just keep on experiencing and enjoying. You'll just keep on knowing peace and making peace known. You'll just keep on knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. You see, when you walk across that bloodstained bridge of faith, you walk out of addiction. Addiction no longer has the final word in your life. When you walk across that bloodstained bridge of faith, your past will no longer define you. You receive at the end of that bridge of faith as you walk into Jesus, you get a new identity. It's not about what's been done to you. It's not about what you've done. You walk into Jesus and about what he's, he's doing and he's gonna do and gonna do and gonna do forever. You're taking up a lot of my time. When you walk across that bloodstained bridge of faith, you're walking away from broken relationships. What has left your heart a shambles no longer is not the final word on your life. The final word on your life is that now you've got a God who is ever at work to your good. Now you've got a God who is able to do immeasurably, abundantly, exceedingly more than all you can ask or even imagine according to his power. That's at work within you. His power. His power. When you walk across that bridge of faith, you walk into the supernatural power of God. Here's how scripture describes it. You, you will know, that word in the Greek, uh, gnosko, it means to experience personally. You will personally experience how great his power is for those who have put their trust in him. It is the same power. Isn't that remarkable? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. When those people were coming up out of the water, they were coming up on the basis of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, when you walk across the blood-stained bridge of faith, you're walking away from death and into life, away from whatever has broken your heart, away from sorrow, away from tears, away from pain. Because here's the promise of the book of Revelation to everyone who walks across the bridge of faith. God will make his throne, his home among his people. He will wipe all tears from their eyes and there, there will be no more death, no more suffering, no more crying, no more pain. I mean, these things of the past back there, they ain't no more. Oh, gone forever. So I've been praying that people this Easter weekend would be willing to walk across the bridge of faith in baptism. And um, people were baptized last night at our Saturday night service, at our nine o'clock service, you've seen numbers of people being baptized now. I, I take them as answers to my prayer. And I thank God. But I've got to ask you, you personally, have you ever walked across the bridge, that blood-stained bridge of faith into the heart of God, surrendering yourself fully to Jesus, sharing with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Maybe you wonder, well, David, uh, you know, how do I go from where I'm sitting right now to, to what those guys experienced right over there? 
How do I walk across the bridge of, that bloodstained bridge of faith? How do I do that? Well, the Bible says three easy steps. You do it with your mouth. You do it with your heart. You do it with your your body. Here's how the Bible says you do it with your mouth. Openly admit with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. So over the decades that I've been the pastor here, all the people who've been baptized, I want to look them in the eye and say, you know what? Right now, Jesus is ready to shout out your name in heaven before God the Father and all the angels because he made the promise, if you will openly declare with your mouth that he is Lord, he will openly declare before God and all the angels that you belong to him. He'll call out your name in heaven. He's waiting to call out your name this morning. But it's more than just with our mouth, then we would just be all talk. It's with our heart. Here's what the scripture says. Believe in your own heart, not your mama's heart, not your boyfriend's heart. Believe in your own heart that God raised him, that raised Jesus from the dead. Your own heart, not your own head. It's got to go to that critical 18 inches to your heart. That's what he wants. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Anyone who says yes and lets me in, I'm coming in, man. No holds barred, I'm coming in. I'm coming in to you. Coming in with my peace. Coming in with my joy. Coming in with my love. Coming in with my, coming in with your salvation. He'll save you from your sin. He'll save you from death and hell and the grave. He'll save you from bondage. He will save your marriage. He will save your family. He will save you by his love. Here's what Jesus then says. This is Christ himself saying, what you do with your body. Then Jesus tells us what to do with our body. Anyone who believes in me and is baptized will be saved. And so what we extended to others that you've witnessed into this service, we, we extend to you now. We wanna offer you the opportunity to share with Jesus fully in his death, burial, and resurrection this Easter. Mark your life by your baptism. I'm gonna ask that you stand with me right now. I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over you. And then I'm gonna come off the stage and invite you to come to the front. We thank God for the work that he's already done, but I believe that he has not yet finished that his resurrection power is available to you. Um, some of you want to say, well, D David, you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't understand what I've done in my life. Friends, I've just been talking all this time to help you understand what Jesus has done for you. That's what matters. You're going to get your past washed away. You're going to be made new. You're going to walk across that blood-stained bridge away from guilt and shame into unconditional acceptance. Let me pray over you. Father God, would you get great glory out of this? You have already glorified your name, Lord. Glorify your name again. Holy Spirit, come. Come on every heart in this room and draw all of us closer to Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we want to say yes to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you forgive our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your death on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are risen from the dead and that you offer that resurrection power. Now, we receive it in your name. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired Podcast. 
Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.